0: Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.
1: Dry saddle wins at Tenugen Hopkins. Now to Keith to cross the line to CC. Slides down the right side, gets to the right corner in front to Drysdale scores. Le- Dreisaitl taps it in, and the Oilers have their first lead of the night. They're up 4-3.
2: The Edmonton Oilers score three times in the third period, two of them from Leon Dreisaitl, and score a 5-3 win over the Boston Bruins. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins on Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. So Dreisaitl ties it. About six and a half minutes into the third period on a bad giveaway by Brandon Carlo. Turned it over in front of his own net. Dreisaitl fires it home. And then on that play, Cody CC walks down the right wing, slips a pass in front to Dreisaitl, who knifes it in his 12th of the season. Dreisaitl now up to 26 points in 12 games on the year. And then Cece put it away with 219 on the clock. Another Boston turnover that led to a scramble in front. The Bruins cleared it, but not far enough. It goes back to CeCe, and he fires it in for his first as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. Zach Hyman and Evan Bouchard also scored for the Oilers this evening. Pasternak, Marchand, and Carlo had the goals for the Boston Bruins. So, Rob, the Oilers are 10-2. and two. Now they have fallen behind the last three games, but able to pull out wins in two of those three.
3: Well, this is an Oiler team that's got in an immense amount of confidence in themselves they understand that if they do fall behind in games that if they get that one save that doesn't allow the other team to extend they've got the horses to be able to get it done and uh, we were talking earlier in the night when they split up connor and leon you got one line that has the nhl leader in goals points second and plus minus on that line and connor mcdavid's on the other so it's a pretty scary situation for the team trying to defend against the Oilers because they have two lines that are all-world. And that's what we saw in the third period is they just, the Boston Bruins just couldn't keep up with the pressure the Oilers were putting on them. And when you face pressure, you start making mistakes. And a great example was the Carlo throws the puck away. It's just he wasn't expecting the pressure to continue to come, and he, doesn't, he hesitates, he throws the puck in front, and then... You know, you give it to the National Hockey League leader in goals. He makes no mistake in front of the net. And you also got to add the fact that uh, on CeCe's goal, that was, now I don't know if it was the third line or the fourth line. I'm not sure which they were going by tonight. But it was a huge goal by uh, one of your bottom six lines in in an important time of the game. So this was uh, a game that the Oilers, I I don't think they came out poorly. They fell behind. I don't think they, they came out poorly as they did in Detroit. But they they stuck stuck with it and, and got a save or two in the third by Koskinen, and eventually the Oilers' talent took over in this hockey game and got them a big win.
2: So 5-3, the Oilers take this one for the eighth time this season in just 12 games. The Japanese Village Goal Light is on on 630ched.com, so you can go there and print up a coupon for a free appetizer at a Japanese village. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cooked right before your eyes, reserved now at jvedmonton.ca. We turn that on whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. And they win tonight without scoring on the power play, mm-hmm. which is a story. I don't, I'll never discount power play goals. They all count the same, but this was uh, the Oilers had two 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 power plays, they were 0 for 2. So two games in a row now they haven't scored on the power play. The penalty kill killed off all three Boston man advantages. And, I mean, we talk a lot about the, the Oilers power play. The penalty kill is now... 30 for 34 in <laughs> the season, 12 games in, which is, which is pretty good. So they get the PK and they get the five-on-five the five goals. They didn't need the power play goals tonight.
3: Which is a confidence builder in itself. Uh, this is a team that has lived and died by their power play over the last couple of years, but they came in without a power play goal and beat a very good Boston Bruin team. Uh, The Bruins have turned into what the Oilers used to be, a top-heavy hockey club. Their first line is as good as any in the National Hockey League, but then they have a big fall-off after their first line, and the Oilers took advantage of that. When the Oilers can put Connor and Leon on opposite lines, uh, the Boston Bruins aren't able to compete over 60 minutes because when Bergeron's line's out there, he can saw off whoever they're playing against, whether it's Connor or Leon, but now it's a mismatch whoever the second Oiler line is going against. And that's what we saw here tonight is when Leon was out there, his line was dominant and he was dominant. So uh, it's it's funny on this road trip, I think that a one and one after the f- first two games, a lot of people said, okay, that's okay. I think they're just a little confused by the two teams, who they won and who they lost against. But this, this helps... Ease the pain of a, a poor outing in Detroit because this is a good Boston team. This is a team that's been a perennial winner for a number of, uh, of years out here in the East. And the others came in and, and got it done. So uh, a, a good effort, a good result, and this can turn into a really good road trip. But it all have they all have to continue on throughout tomorrow night's game against the Buffalo Sabres. You can't take a night off and fall asleep at the wheel when you play against a team that you don't, uh, the many in the league don't consider one of the elite.
2: I continue to be impressed by Zach Hyman. He scores tonight, so he has eight goals in twelve games. He plays twenty thirty eight, mm-hmm. and he played two thirteen shorthanded. So of the six minutes the Oilers were shorthanded, he played a little over a third, and. Sometimes he doesn't wind up on the score sheet. Sometimes the things Hyman does don't don't even lead to a scoring chance, but we talk a lot about being noticeable, make an impact, win back territory, be hard to play against. I think Hyman checks all those boxes. He he does, and any time there's a close game,
3: as a coach, you're looking down your bench and you're trying to find players you have complete trust in that you know if I put him on the ice, I can take a breath for that shift because I know that things are going to go right. And Hyman's one of those guys. Whether, okay, we're shorthanded in an important situation, get Hyman on the ice. Okay, we've got a power play. Okay, Hyman, you're out there in front of the net, net front presence, four on four, five on five, whatever you ask from him, he's capable of doing. And he leads by example with work ethic. And it's not, he's not going to beat you with fancy. He's going to beat you with brute strength. And what you love about him is he's got one line, and it's from wherever he is straight to the net. He doesn't take the long route to get there. He puts his head down and goes. And he's surprised a few defenders how quickly he's gotten there. And tonight, his goal, that was exactly that. He just went straight from the boards, took it to the net, and a
2: big goal. 5-3, Oilers victory. Here's head coach Dave Tippett. No one seemed to be really pleased with the way Detroit went. How would you kind of compare the, the
0: two outings? Uh, we competed way harder. You know, we uh, all the way through our lineup, we competed hard. We, uh, you know, we got behind quick, but then the ability to get it right back again was uh, not chase the game much was uh, a big factor. We turned one over. The second one should have been, shouldn't have been a goal because it was a should have been a penalty on the play. Third one, Miko should have stopped. So for the most part we were uh we were pretty strong but we competed hard you know it's uh it's good we don't want to lose two in a row so we came out and played well
4: yeah I miko mean, did it look like he was pretty disappointed by letting that goal in but the third period he he held the fort
0: yeah he, you know they they pushed a little bit and you got uh, uh had a couple around the crease there they made big saves on so made the save when he needed. it um
4: Dry was really key, obviously, in, in coming back. You know, <laughs> leads leading goals, points, two goals in the third. How would you kind of rate his importance to, to what
0: happened tonight? Well, uh, he's a guy that comes up, you know, Boston's a good team. they got, you know, some high-end uh, players there, and Dry, he gets up for these games. He wants to play in their real competitive games, and that's where he's at his best, so. He was uh, he was really strong tonight. Were a
4: couple of, of non calls that didn't go your way in terms of Connor McDavid. You uh, think? Yeah,
0: yeah. Did well, you see that up there too? I saw that on the bench too. I just didn't know if anybody else saw it.
4: I mean, how how do you guys respond? I mean, it wasn't
0: you know it seems to be a common common it's, trait. It's it's frust- You know what? The, it's frustrating because the tone is set on the first call of the game on Drysaddle, which is shouldn't be a call, but if you're going to set the tone like that, you better call the rest of the game like that, and that's not the way it went. Overall, do
4: you, do you think he needs more calls
0: in his favor? I'm not going to comment anymore on the referee. I, I just thought, I thought there, was a, there, was a, there was a missed call on the, on the goal, the dry signal penalty to start it off. I thought when a referee does that early, he sets a standard in the game, and that wasn't the standard that was upheld through the game.
4: I just I just wonder about some depth guys on your team. Your fourth line contributes to a big goal late, and Cody Cece mm-hmm. with a goal and assist late in the third. What is yeah. it
0: like for you, for you guys to have that kind no, of? Oh, that's time? good. Cece was really good. Keith and Cece put a lot of hard minutes in, and it's great to see them get rewarded for their work. Um, you know. Uh the uh, the it was Sevier and McLeod and uh, Fogo on at the end there that uh, comes up with a big big hard working goal for us so that's that's what we need we need that little bit of depth scoring there and especially when we're not getting many power plays it's uh, you got to uh, you got to find a way to chink in hopefully we don't need five every night but uh, but that's we got five and we'll take the win and go home or go to the Buffalo I mean talked about the
5: pairing of Keith and CeCe it seems like both of them have come in and really earned the respect in that room for you've been a hockey player Dave in in that locker room when you see a guy who doesn't really have the sexiest game yet he comes up huge on a game-winning goal in an insurance marker what does that do for the club
0: oh it's great they're they're the guys you know they don't get a lot of accolades all the time but they put a lot of work in for you you know I've said it before guys like that or what you know they help you win and that's uh, perfect example of it tonight both that pair was really strong for us and cc uh, you know took a puck in the ear he scored a goal had an assist he did it a lot tonight so it's good for him
5: uh, going back to dry saddle and mcdavid i guess in the same tone is the most impressive thing about those two guys their ability to almost exceed expectations each and every night
0: I, I mean, their expectations of themselves is really high. I don't, you know, that's probably a better question for them. But they uh, they expect to play well every night. They expect to be a factor in the game, and they usually are. So that's, uh, you know, those expectations very rarely are they not met. Okay,
1: we we'll go to one question on Zoom. Jason Greger, go ahead. to ask me about running the cloud. Uh, do you feel, is that the best game
0: yeah, Yeah. It's, he got the most opportunities he's had for a while, but he's come back and he's, he's skating. He's trying to play a little more physical, and I don't mean hitting people, just body position, being around the puck. So he's, uh, he's a more confident player right now, which, which uh, uh, that was by far his best game.
1: And uh Colton Senior, another guy got in the line of David you've always talked about competition and you know, kinda of knock knock there's opportunity. Uh, what did you like about his engagement? you
0: to both and Ryan? He's he's just a real solid player. He's a he's you know, he's thinks like a smart NHL player and understands his role, understands situations on the ice and uh and just plays accordingly. You know, it's not uh he's the thing about Players like that, and it's it makes them very valuable. They're very consistent. They do the little things right all the time. So as a coach, you can rely on them, and uh, that's where he's at right now.
2: Thank you. That concludes
0: tonight. All
2: right, that's Oilers head coach Dave Tippett. As Edmonton wins 5-3 in Boston, I think coming up just short of seeing something that will get him fined by the NHL <laughs> when <laughs> that's about like, the officiating. He made
3: a really good point, and this is what we talked about. Uh, and We talked a lot off-air about it. At the beginning of a hockey game, a referee, in the first five to seven minutes, will set the tone for the game. And as a player, you see, okay, okay, he's calling this, okay? We're going to back off a little bit. Okay, oh, they let that go. Okay, we're going to stretch it a bit. We're going to push the envelope a little. Okay, that's allowed. But the referee sets the tone for the game, and you are frustrated if, as a player if the, the tone is set one way and then you're not called consistently throughout the game because you're like, okay, wait a second. We weren't allowed to do this earlier, but why are we allowed now or vice versa? So that's what's frustrating for for a, a player, and that's why, you know, sometimes fans get upset in a playoff game. But the right from the f- opening face-off, the refs, set a standard of what a penalty is so now you know what the boundaries are throughout the entire night and you players won't get mad if they know what it is it may be uh, a little uh outside of bounds what they allow to happen but at least it's consistent what players don't like is a lack of consistency and i think that's what we saw tonight and you and i talked about it when leon got the penalty we're like okay that's kind of uh, i'm not sure i uh, that's something you want called because if that's called we're going to have an awful lot of penalties in this hockey game because that was very minor. And there was a penalty later in the game where...
2: I didn't think Marchand needed to be called for
3: that hold on Nurse. No.
2: I mean, yes, he took his hand off his stick, but there was no advantage gained by the Bruins off that play. And
3: we talked about it in soccer. It's called advantage. If there's a foul committed, but the offensive team continues on with the ball, the ref just lets it go and says, okay, advantage. And that was one right there. There was no... uh, Nothing really hurt the Oilers on that one. So... That bothers you is when they call that, yet a trip in front on a scoring chance isn't called. Or when someone gets run through the boards, isn't called. To me, violence and scoring chances, those penalties have to be called consistently. The other ones, you can see how the flow of the game is going. But yeah, this was a, an off night for the referees, and it started right from the very first shift when uh, Leonga called for a penalty that I th- we considered weak.
2: Oilers take it five two, so that means a five hundred dollar donation to six thirty Chad Sanders Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They're given a hundred bucks every time the Oilers score. Man oh man, already up to fifty two hundred for the season. You know, I let let's let's do this tonight. And oftentimes, Rob, I mean, we're happy to talk about the officiating. It is it is part of the game. Um I, I certainly feel like we try not to go. If there's a significant call or non-call that affects the game, we're happy mm-hmm. to talk about it. Uh, I mean, we've done a lot of seasons where the orders weren't very good. It wasn't because of the refs. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I mean, now clearly the discussion around McDavid is is relevant, but I, I think there's a, a a relevant discussion around the the quality. Of the officiating, the refereeing specifically, in the National Hockey League, and, and I, you know, I watched a lot of playoffs last season, and there were some games. And you know, the Oilers didn't last very long, so most of the <laughs> games didn't involve the Oilers. We talked a lot about the that situation in that one Montreal Vegas game where players were. T- t- Almost fighting for the last twenty seconds of the period, and the one referee just stood there. I mean, yeah. even if you call coincidentals, at some point you have to shut it down. So here's here's what I'm going to ask from people tonight uh, on on the hotline presented by Teed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Teed Pro all the way, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. If you want to call us about the officiating, we'll we'll dive into that a little deeper than we would most nights but give us your solution. D- the, don't just call in and say well we didn't like I didn't like this I didn't like this. If if you got to be the NHL's director of officiating for a day and had all the refs and the rule book guys in a in an auditorium tell us what you'd say. Tell us what what standard you expect. Tell tell us how the, the way it's currently done what would you change? Mm-hmm. That's that's what I want to know. I mean as a pro, I think that'll be a little more interesting than just calling in and saying well that should have been and that 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 should have been, but I can. I want to hear how people want what how they what they want to see. Okay, the one
3: thing that y- you don't want to write in and said find different refs because I can tell you right now, this is the best of the best. Oh, they
2: are. They they,
3: are. There there is. I mean, there might be some up and comers, but this is the best of the best. And I've played in a few different leagues. Uh, there is a big jump downwards when you go into the minor leagues of hockey.
2: Yeah, and I mean for me, what would I what would I say that. The, the blatant penalties have to be called regardless of the score and regardless of the manpower situation. And
3: and I would go, mine would be it, the violent ones and the goal-scoring ones are automatic. The rest of the ones, you can you can make your own decision on it, what you feel it is. But if it's violent and if it's stopping a goal-scoring chance, those are the ones that you have to call.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm actually fine with 50-50 calls not being called. Oh, I agree with that too. I mean, I'm not saying let's have 26 total power plays in a game. Well, I, I mean,
3: I'm fine with the, the – the, so, I like the soccer rule, that the advantage. You know what? That was a foul, but you still have control of the puck. So, yeah, I hooked you a little bit, but you're still going forward. Ah, we're going to let it go. I'm fine with that too. Now, in Edmonton, if you're an Orler fan, you probably don't like that because call everything it's well, look, usually to the advantage of the Oilers. But
2: let's I, – I don't – look, we, we said it after last game. Tyson Berry, that was a joke that his trip wasn't called. Yep. Yeah, he poke-checked the guy's skates. He didn't poke-check the <laughs> puck. He poke-checked the guy's skates. Well, that, that's, the, that's a tripping penalty. And
3: this is, That's what bugs me. We talked about it earlier, too, on the Connor McDavid ones. When the guy that has the puck is hauled down, I don't know how a ref can miss that because he's the guy with the puck. That's where everybody's eyes are, the fans, the cameras, the opposing players, and the referees. So for those to be missed is shocking One's behind the play, one's in a big scrum, things like that. Well, I can understand that the ref was focused elsewhere, but when the guy with the puck has got a scoring chance, uh, the fact that that's not called is wrong. And it's wrong whether it's an Oiler that gets hauled down or a Bruin or a Flame or a Vegas Gold Knight. It does not matter. If the guy has a scoring chance, the ref probably should be watching him.
2: The five power plays in the game tonight did not result in a power play goal. So Tom... Wins are set the line, courtesy River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it. He's getting a fifty-dollar River Cree gift card. Our over/under was two and a half for total mm-hmm. power play goals in the game, both teams combined. It was zero, so Tom wins that. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Tony on the line. Hi, Tony. Go ahead. Hey, boys. How's it going? Good.
6: So I've been listening, and I do. I kind of have a solution on how to. You know, kind of improve the roughing, but it's not just the McDavid trip that irritates me. It's Taylor Hall, Ryan McLeod. I think it was third period. Ryan McLeod, didn't even touches the puck, and Ryan, and Hall just crushes him right into the boards. Yep, that, and it happened a couple of games ago, and it was
3: Devin Shore that got absolutely labeled. To me, that's those yep. ones I call violent penalties. That and should have been a penalty the one that on Taylor to Hall. See. If you, and also, because the player at that the point, that point at McLeod, there's he's not thinking about getting hit. He's in a very vulnerable position. In the NFL, they put in a rule for wide receivers; they're not allowed to be hit if they're not expecting, if they're in a vulnerable position. And right there, McLeod was a few games ago. Devin Shore was, uh, it, that was blatant um, in interference. And again, I don't know how a ref misses that one, but yes, absolutely, that should have been a penalty on Taylor Hall. But, but and the
6: only like the only way you can really fix this problem because it seems like it seems it just seems like connor does not get the call that he should get and it and the only way you can really do it is bring him into the you know make him come to new york because i guarantee that's where you know the financial head office is and tell him you missed this. You can't be missing this. You
3: know? I, I don't. I don't think that's going to make well, a they, difference. They,
2: yeah, <laughs> they, they they do get evaluated, and as as we said numerous times, as you go through the playoffs, the 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 refs who have had the best season make the playoffs get well, to keep working.
3: And I, and I told I said to Reed after the the period after the second period that there's going to be a power play for sure in the third. Is what happens during uh, during the intermission with the referees? They'll talk in there. The senior referee will probably come into the room they can look at video and they can see if they missed anything and in the third period the very first opportunity there was a chance to call a penalty on Boston they did and that's the one that Reed was just talking about the one on Marchand that wasn't a penalty that that shouldn't have been called but they knew that they missed the penalties on McDavid and right away they were trying to call a penalty on the Bruins so uh, they they know when they make mistakes uh to me it's it's simple. Violent penalties and penalties and scoring chances, those are the ones that have to be taken care of. Everything else, if you're afraid of making too many calls, well, then don't call the little tug on a shirt for a guy that's not
2: involved in the play anyways. Okay, we'll get to your calls in a second here. I know we've got a few people lined up, but let's go back to Boston, the guy who scored two in the third period to help the Oilers win 5-3. It's Leon Dreisaitl.
5: ...in terms of tying it up for you guys and then eventually pulling out with the win. What does that say about your club?
7: Uh... Yeah, a lot. I mean, um, obviously, there's lots of things that I think that we can clean up, uh, especially in the second period there. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, it, it means a lot and says a lot about our group that, you know, we don't stop. We just continue to play our way and, and try and um, stick with it, even if it's not pretty. Um, but at the same time, like I said, I think there's lots of things that we can improve on um, that. You know, we don't have to score five goals every game to, to win a game. How would you compare tonight's effort to the one we saw to open this road trip? Yeah, I think it's just more uh, more compete uh, in our game probably. Uh, a little tighter all around. Um, you know, that those are the kind of um, road games that you want to play or the games that you always want to play, uh, but especially on the road. Um, and I thought it, for the most part it was uh, pretty solid tonight.
5: Uh, it seems uh, to be a pretty common theme amongst the teammates of talking about the steady play of Cody Ceci, but tonight he gets rewarded with a goal, a big play on your goal as well, the game winner. What can you say about his play tonight and what an addition
7: he's been for your team? Uh, yeah, he's been amazing. Um, you know, probably not the most, uh, not not the prettiest guy to watch, if, if if that's what you want to say, but he's so effective and, and so good at what he does. Um, and... Obviously, especially for guys like that that, um, you know, work so hard and do, do the things that, that don't get noticed all the time, uh, it, it's especially nice for him to, you know, get a goal, make, make a huge play on, on, the, on the game winner. Um, you know, he's not, he's not all, um, you know, D zone and, and, and uh, hard to play against. You know, there's lots of skill there too, and, and, and that's great to see. So um, we're, we're very happy for him.
4: On your fourth line, chipped in two on that CC goal. Uh, that's probably a big, uh, big help, uh, especially late in the game.
7: Eh? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think that that kind of puts the game away, right? Uh, it's a big, big time to to score, score a goal and make it a two-game lead. So, um, yeah, you, you need different lines chipping in. You need different guys uh, uh, scoring and, and stepping up on different nights. So, um, you know, that's a, uh, a great job by our fourth line there. There
4: are a couple of. Uh, non-calls against Connor that uh, didn't go obviously your way the bench seemed pretty upset about that how do you kind of push through that and and continue playing and when that happens
7: yeah I mean you you have to you don't you don't have a choice right Uh, you can complain about it um, a little bit but at the end of the day if it's not called then it's not called and uh just gotta continue to play and, and um you know obviously try and draw the next one or um you know just yeah like i said just keep playing and
4: what would you say about your goaltender it seemed like he was a little upset by the third goal he let in but really bat down the hatches and going
7: in the third yeah he was he was great all night i thought um really good um especially in the third just kind of um held it down for us back there and, and that's huge we obviously have a lot of trust in him right now so um you know he he was he was really good. Leon Dreisaitl, two goals
2: and an assist. Oilers win five three in Boston. As and I've said this a million times, you can talk about bad calls, bad goals against, which I mean Koskinen kind of whiffed on the third one. Good teams still win. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the night, you're not talking so much about those bad things. You're talking about figuring it out. Okay, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Brian standing by. Brian, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead. Hey guys, good to talk to
8: you. I Haven't talked to you for a long time.
2: Thanks uh, for calling. Uh,
8: yeah, so um, I, I do have a, my solution, but I have a question before I ask, uh, or before I give you my solution on the um, on the, the with the with the officials, the problems with the officials. Okay. Um, uh, I'm hearing the term "manage" that refs are managing mm-hmm. the game. Yes. Can you tell me what that means?
2: That's exactly what we were talking about with the Marchand penalty, which I thought was marginal. Yeah. The refs come out, right. start of the third period, probably see right. that the power plays are 3-1 in favor of Boston, probably saw some video of penalties they could have called against the Bruins and are saying, okay, the next thing that is any anything even remotely a penalty, we're going to call it against Boston. Or saying, well, this team is already down a, a, a man it's already a power play we don't want to put them down two men so we won't call something okay. unless there's an eyeball hanging out oh. of a face
8: now, now in, in in referee school in referee school when when refs go to school let's say you let's say before they qualify to, to ref in the nhl are they? Are, are, is this part of their curriculum? Well, they, they they they'll ref in
3: junior, they'll ref in college, then they'll go to the okay. minors. They they work their way up that way, and it's this is the best of the best. I, I, and I've I've played in the minors, and it, oh. without a doubt, this is the best of the best. Now, okay. some guys sometimes they have off nights, and if they have too many off nights. Then they'll be evaluated that way, and you'll find referees won't get as many games or might find themselves out of the league, and they certainly won't be playoff referees. But uh, tonight, this this was one that was just because the the non-calls were obvious on a couple scoring chances, and Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, how do you miss that one? So that's what frustrates a player. And again, Dave Tippett talked about it, where he said that they set the standard of what a penalty is going to be and yeah. with the Leon p- penalty early in the game, and they didn't stick with that, and that's what bothers players. You know what? Yeah. You just Tell me what the standard is, and I'll figure my yeah. way around it, and I'll oh. see what I can and cannot do, and I'll stay within that. But if yeah. it changes throughout the night, if it's a, a moving target, well, now it yeah. gets a little bit harder, and that's where players get frustrated.
8: Well, well, Robbie, they're human, right? Yep, and absolutely. The thing, is, the thing is, though, is that if you break it down and you make it sound very simple, Call the, call the violent calls, call the scoring chance. Call. That seems pretty pretty simple to me, and it makes sense. But here's my solution, and I think they do it in another sports league. I, I can't remember which one it is or if it's even done. But I think the refs need to be somewhat accountable where they can be put in front of mics after games. I agree 100%. And, and, and uh, you know, kind of give an account for what they did on the night's work. They're going to make mistakes, but at least face face the, the public face the fans and and give your side of why you called these and why you didn't call them right in,
3: yeah i uh, i agree with that and they do it in other sports too they do it in, in baseball you'll see baseball guys come out and i remember a few years ago where a, a player had a perfect game going a pitcher and on the last out of the game the ump at first base made a mistake like he called the guy safe and he was out uh, he's out by three or four inches it was obvious and he cost this guy a perfect game and then the ump came out and he actually cried as he was doing his interview because he'd messed this up so badly for this guy. So, yeah, they are human. They make mistakes. And sometimes a ref sees something different from what we see on video, and he can explain to you, well, here's what I saw, and here's why I called it. So I agree with you 100% because I'd like to hear a ref's view on things. I think it, it adds more to the game of hockey when you can see, okay, this we hear from the coaches, we hear from the players. Let's hear from the refs because I want to know why he called or why he didn't call that. And then that way he can be held accountable, but at least he has uh, his reasons. And now he can think, okay, well, now that he says it that way, then you can start understanding what he's, why he made the call or didn't make the call he did.
2: Well, as I've said, I, I asked Gary Bettman that in an interview probably four or five years ago now, and he said that'll never happen. No.
3: I agree I won't, and but it to, should. to
2: play devil's advocate to that, and as a, a media person, obviously I would want to get comment from as, as many people as possible. I still think if you're the fan of the team who feels shortchanged by the call, no explanation is going to be adequate.
3: No, true. And this is, I, I do coach mentoring in St. Albert, and I go watch a lot of hockey games. And This is minor hockey level. But it's funny, when you're watching a team and cheering for your team, you notice every call that's missed. When you're watching a game that you have no skin in, if, if you turn on a game tonight and you're watching a game between St. Louis and San Jose, you, the refing will be perfect because you don't care one way or another who wins a game. It's when all of a sudden you've got interest in the outcome of the game, it seems that the refs miss more. When you uh, take the emotion out of it, usually the refs are pretty good. Now tonight, it was an off night. Most most of the games the Oilers have played this year, the refs we haven't even bothered thinking about the referees because they've
2: done a good job. Tonight was an awful. Well, I think night. the last two there's been blatantly missed calls. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Lucas on the line. Hey, Lucas, go ahead. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. Good, good. So um, my uh, question or just comment here is
9: more uh, in regards to, uh, you know, the lack of calls on fouls against McDavid over the years. And uh, I'm just kind of wondering, is there a little bit of a, a, a consensus among the referees in the NHL that, You know, this guy, you know, he's he's just so good. You know, he's faster than the entire league. He has a set of hands to match that speed. Lucas, I'm I'm going to jump
2: in and tell you a story quickly, okay? I don't know know if you listened to my show last night. I I told this story. Earlier this season, I, I was having a conversation off mic, kind of off to the side. And it was off mic, so I'm not going to tell you who told me this, but it's, it's someone who is on the Oilers bench during games and can hear things, so you can narrow it down. It was either a member of the coaching staff, a, one of the 26 players who have played in the game, or one of the, the trainers or medical staff. So, but it was somebody who heard this, that Tip was complaining about non-calls on McDavid, and a ref said to Tip, Tip, we can't call everything that happens to him. Yeah, so yes, so, so yes, the refs know that they can't call everything that happens to McDavid.
9: Right, because the Oilers would have an unfair advantage then, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I guess they're trying to balance they're trying to balance his impact with the rest of the league to make it fair. Am I am I going somewhere am I on the right
2: track there? I think you're I, making a very good point. So what so what should happen? Do we just live with it? Is uh, that, you know, the McKinnons you know, I, and McDavids of the world's just going to take more abuse?
9: You know what? I mean, I don't want to I don't want to sound biased because I'm a McDavid fan and a an Oilers fan, but you know, I mean I just, you know, I'd like things to be consistent. And you know what? At the end of the day, I mean, it's, yeah, I can't really answer the question.
3: Yeah, but. I mean, the thing is, this isn't a new phenomenon. No, it go is. Back, go back and watch uh, well, any videos and, of Mario Lemieux. Go and,
2: back and read quotes from Mario Lemieux yeah, and Brett Hall.
3: the <laughs> abuse that they took. And, again, it, it was, you're like, Okay, hey, seriously, the, the, there's six guys hanging on to him. How is not one of those six getting a penalty? So it's not new? Star players throughout their careers take more abuse than any other players with less calls for it.
2: Okay, let's update the scoreboard here for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers? Head to edmontontrailer.com. Oilers beat the Bruins 5-3. Canadians over the Flames 4-2. Kings shut out the Senators 2-0. Devils shut out the Islanders 4-0. The Penguins win in a shootout, 3-2 against the Panthers. The Capitals get a shutout from Zach Fucali. Remember when he was the next one in net? uh, Montreal draft. World junior goalie. Caps beat the Red Wings 2-0. Predators and Blues are 3-3 in the third. Jets lead the Sharks 3-1 in the third. In the second period, Avs up 4-0 on Vancouver. In the first period, Vegas with a 1-0 edge on Minnesota. And the Ducks lead the Kraken 1-0. Zip, that is your Edmonton trailer scoreboard. Okay, if you're on hold, we're going to get to you. I know we've got a few people who have called in to 780-496-0063. We do appreciate that. We're going we're gonna to squeeze you in. Zach Hyman scored tonight. We'll get to some of his post-game reaction as well. The Oilers take it 5-3 in Boston. They are 10-2. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line on 630, Chet.
1: Bergeron wins it. McAvoy in from the left-wing point. Goes to the corner. Brings it up top of the circle drops it. Posternak to Greslick. His shot. The save by Koskinen. Rebound. Oh, somehow that hit. Koskinen skate. And the puck cleared to the blue line. It's kept in by Greslick. I don't know how that didn't go in.
2: One of the best shooters in the game. David Posternak, couldn't lift it over Miko Koskinen with Boston trailing by a goal with eight minutes left. And the Oilers go on to win 5-3. That's the save of the game called by Cam Moon.
3: And he's good. Mooner was excited on that one.
2: Save the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. By the way, a gentleman by the, name of, uh, by the name of Jeff Jackson tweeted this earlier tonight. Do NHL referees need to be given instructions on what a trip is? This is a joke. Jeff Jackson is Connor McDavid's agent. I don't know if Ty has an agent, but he's given us a call tonight. Ty, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hey, Ty, do we have you? Hello? Hey Ty, go ahead.
9: Hi, I have a question about like um the game management and like how the he just told that story about how like the refs can call everything on McDavid. Yeah, go ahead. That, why like why is that the thing? Couldn't that also be almost as like rigged because they aren't calling every call that there is?
3: No, you're right. It, it, they all should be called. Absolutely. I mean a penalty is a penalty. Uh that's the yeah. way it always should be. Uh it isn't always called that way. Um, there's times, I don't know as much anymore, but a lot of times their games were called by what the score was, uh, how the game was going, you know, uh, let's kick these guys out of the game, just to make the game a little bit safer, a little calmer. Uh, referees have always managed games.
2: And uh, and it's necessary to some extent. Some, some, sure.
3: Yeah, some extent. But yeah, but when it comes down to uh, a scoring chance, anytime there's a scoring chance, I don't care if you've given the one team five straight power plays. If someone calls someone down during a scoring chance, there should be another power play, because the advantage that you have if you're a better hockey club, your advantage should continue. If they play a, a game with you, we can't stop them one way, so we're going to have to cheat a little. Well, you should you still should have an advantage now that'll be power plays because you're not good enough to play as even up within the boundaries of the game so if you're going to go outside the boundaries well now our advantage should also be on the power play you shouldn't be able to lose your advantage because now they're going to hook and hold you and the referee's not going to call everything yes anytime there's a goal scoring chance i believe that has to be called no matter what the score in the game is and no matter how many power plays have already been called whether it may if that's the fifth time someone's hauled down McDavid on a on a scoring chance well that should be the fifth power play
2: we have Robert on the certainty hotline as well hey robert go ahead hey guys how's it going good well i, I have a i have a couple thoughts
10: on the game first of all and then i then I, then i have a quick thought on the uh the officiating i guess uh, first off with the game i mean you no know, other i think the Oilers one thing tonight that i liked was the uh uh, the way they uh, responded quickly on uh, on the first two goals, and not allowing Boston to play with the lead and settle in a little bit, because uh, I think uh, I think as as, we, as I've heard Rob Brown say several times, I think that's uh, that can be rather let's just say uh, demoralizing for a team when you haven't, you haven't heard heard uh, your goal announced and then the other team comes back and scores. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are there.
2: Yeah, Robert, let's go to your point on the officiating here. I think that's what we wanna focus on. We got a lot of guys on hold too, so let's hear that. Okay, well yeah, well I guess quick I mean, you know what I mean is like a, I I compare I compare to that that,
10: that 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 like not just McDavid, like let's say guys like Crosby, McKinnon, Ovechkin just to just to name three Let's just say if if they were call if they were calling absolutely everything on guys like that, then those those teams would be getting seven, eight, nine power plays a night, which I think which I think would uh, would uh, take away from some of the some of the I don't know I guess I I, I mean I I'm, uh, I'm honestly not sure what the
2: word is. Well, it, but, but the, mean- the, here's the other argument though, Robert. I don't know if you were listening last night when somebody texted into me that in in theory, the more the refs call initially should lead to fewer calls. Right? If the, if you're telling players don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, then they should stop doing it. And then maybe there's more, you know, 5 on 5 chances and skill showcase that way. That's another way to look at it. I mean, there's always going to be penalties, but you know, in, in theory, if a player is getting a, a minor penalty for slashing 6 games in a row, you'd hope by the seventh game he just doesn't slash or no. the coach takes yeah. him out of the game that, there'd
3: the be line. more of that yeah <laughs> yeah six straight games with a dumb penalty you're not playing game seven uh to me again call the ones the vicious ones and the goal scoring ones and you the other rest of the ones you don't really need to call yeah i mean if you feel like you're calling too many penalties but anything that's going to affect a scoring outcome or anything that is vicious that can cause injury, those should be absolutely 100% automatic.
2: All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Scott is on the line. Hey, Scott, go ahead. Hey, Robin Reed, I uh, I love the show. So,
11: uh, let's get right into it. So, the, the the solution of the referees answering answering like questions after the game, I, I think is absolutely brilliant. Uh, that was my idea too. I was calling in to basically give that same thing up. Um, I know Bettman says that he, they're never going to do it which is an absolute joke, to be honest. Like, that, that should – you should be looking at new ways to grow the game, and that might be a way to really explain it. And here's my example. Still to this day and, – and maybe maybe the NHL has said something. Maybe I've missed it, but I've been waiting for it. But still to this day, no one has been able to explain to me what they saw when Kessler put his hand on Talbot's pad, And I still have no idea why – so they, they go upstairs, they look at it, then, they, then we challenge. They look at it again, and they're still like, yep, everything's fine. And the goal counts. And, you know, of, of course, is that the pinnacle point of us getting eliminated? No, we went to game seven. But I still want to know what, what you are looking at there when you're like, ah, no, goaltender interference was fine there. And so, I've like, and, and watched hockey forever, and still, to this day, I have no clue what they could even be thinking of. So I, I think refs should answer, they should answer questions. Well you already know that they think of themselves as basically the third team on the ice, which is which is garbage because two of those teams have to answer questions. The third one just goes home or whatever. <laughs> like, it's just it's just such a joke that way, and it, it's frustrating.
3: No, I agree. I agree 100%. And, and it, not in a negative way, too. There's things that happen in a game I would love to hear a ref's perspective on it. Because they're they're seeing it. Again, it's easy to see things when we're watching it on TV. It's easy to see things when we're in the arena, especially us in the press box, because it's the game is so much slower. Completely different when you're a ref and you have 12 bodies on the ice at all times of guys that are 6 feet and 210 pounds. It's harder to see things, and everything is fast. So it'd be really neat to hear their perspective, hear why they decided to do that, why they didn't want to do this, what they saw, what they didn't see. Uh, to me, I, I I just I'm intrigued by it. I, I want to hear it because it's a, another set of eyes and another. Uh, I mean, the outcome of hockey games are the referees have uh, they have a factor in it by by calls and non calls. So you'd love to hear the reasoning behind things that they do during a hockey game i think it's interesting okay oh
2: sorry okay so thanks to the magic of the internet i have found the clip from gary bettman i interviewed him march 21st 2018 i found it in our archive angie i, I know we're doing this on the fly it, it might not be totally cleaned up it might have a, half my question in it but i here's i asked gary bettman about refs doing interviews after games
12: to the media or a member of the media after game to communicate to fans? No. Uh, Frankly, at the the end of the day, uh, if an explanation is required for a play, uh, we do it in real time out of the Toronto office where hockey operations and officiating is based. Uh, And uh, in this era of media and social media and every word being scrutinized, our officials aren't used to dealing with the media, and I think that would lend more confusion. I think the more important point is Our officials do a terrific job. They're the best officials in all the sports. They're the best hockey officials in the world. Uh, But it's a human game. Uh, Coaches make mistakes. Players make mistakes. We strive for consistency. We don't like mistakes. If you make too many of them, obviously you don't have a future as an official. But at the end of the day, overwhelmingly, if you put aside a rooting interest, overwhelmingly, they're getting the calls right. Uh, With all the extensive video that there is, uh, it's clear clear that they're right even when lots of people with a rooting interest think that they're wrong uh, but they do occasionally make an error and there are judgment calls and judgment calls tend to be subjective depending on who you're rooting for okay
2: and, and last one sort of along those lines i know you've been asked a lot about video, video review lately I mean, as but... usual he's good he's good well he's, he's, and a lot of
3: <laughs> a lot of the things that he said was, was right on he, and when he said these are the best refs get it right most of the time i agree with all those things the, what I don't like about what he said is when he said that the referees aren't used to be talking to media. Well, any, take any 19-, 20-, 21-year-old kid that comes out of junior or college not used to, to talking to the media, but they have to. The NHL makes them. Take a guy coming from Europe that doesn't speak English, not used to talking to English media, but he has to because the NHL makes them. Coaching staff. You get a coaching staff. None of these, most of the coaches didn't grow up on, in theatre, They're not out in front of crowds all the time, but they must go out and talk to the media. It's an NHL rule. So that is a cop-out by Gary Metman. that excuse right there. You can come up with a bunch of other reasons why you don't want them doing it, but not being used to talking to the media, come on. I mean, you make rules where everyone else has to talk to the media. So come on, that is... uh Uh, I don't want to. How do I say it without swearing? It's okay. All right. You know what I mean?
2: (laughs) Uh, Oilers win 5-3 in Boston. We're discussing what you would do if you could address the uh, referees in the National Hockey League for our adjustment of the game for pro drain techs for peace of mind down the line. We have Mike at 780-496-0063. Hello, Mike. Go ahead.
13: Oh, hey, uh, Robin Reed. Uh love a show first first time caller long time listener. Thanks. Um I'll keep it uh pretty succinct as possible. Number one, yeah, it's we should all acknowledge it is an incredibly difficult game to referee. Um I think it's much more difficult than say baseball. But uh, I'll just dovetail on, on Rob's point and then take it a little bit further. I think they should just crack down on the most blatant, uh, vicious, or goal-scoring opportunities. But I would, I would take that a little bit further on two fronts. Number one, uh, again to Rob's point, why not create more competition for that refing? Where's the NHL um, spending their money on professional development for these referees? And I, and I mean both at the NHL and the AHL level. Number one, you could pay those refs more, including the AHL refs. They could continually get that professional development. They could go to a referee school. There should be way more competition so that we're not stuck with, well, this is just this pool of refs and that's that. Um, The second point I have is, it will probably a little bit more dramatic, is to McDavid's point where they said they're going to, you know, cut down on the cross-checking and then you notice it just drifts away by late November, early December. Well, why not just sacrifice the season because i and it really comes down to you acknowledge that the players are smart, the players are professional, they will adjust, but it really comes down to the NHL head office uh, frankly, it's a strong word, but I think they're quite cowardly in the fact that they always. They always do it in a symbolic fashion for six to eight weeks, then it does drift away, and then we're back where we started. I guarantee you this problem would have a long-term fix if we adopted the short-term pain, sacrifice the season, your playoffs would probably be pretty outstanding, and then we could all move on with, the, with a higher standard. I
2: don't know. What do you think? Well, what if, the, what if the fans went on strike for a week and didn't go to any games? <laughs> you know what? You know what I mean? Well, the
13: fans are (laughs) not Canadian fans. We're too addicted to this game. Yeah, we would probably you know, complain and moan uh, that there's now 9 to 17 power plays but I guess my point is the rule book's the rule book. It's not a guidebook. It's not open to, you know, 17 variations of interpretation. So if you're going to have the rules, enforce the rules, and if you need to pare it down so that only the most vicious and only the most blatant uh, robbing of goal scoring opportunities are called, then that's fine. And then you have some subjectivity. You will never get away from the subjectivity. But I think I think we just gotta accept the fact that everybody will adjust, but we have to just uh absorb that pain for a while of seeing some absurd hockey. Just do it. Don't do it for six games of the exhibition and then it peters out by Halloween mm-hmm. otherwise it'll never 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 change
2: yeah, good thoughts, Mike. We appreciate it well, we're getting some good calls tonight. Let's keep rolling seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We also have Steven standing by. Hey Steven, go ahead
8: hey, I just wanted to bring up Rob's point about
13: having like the advantage i actually think that would be a very uh, smart idea just because it would i don't know i guess it would eliminate some of the i guess ticky tack calls and also take away the stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with the play but another point i also think um
8: would it have anything to do with the oilers
13: power play operating at almost like 50 percent
3: um no no, I I don't think that. I think it's more so where best players in, in any sport and I go back to in with Pittsburgh with Mario and Gretzky in the eighties or, or whoever, Connor McDavid today. You could probably call a penalty every time they have the puck because there's someone trying to grab a hold of them to slow them down, little hook, all those things. So they don't want to call one every single time. Uh so but to me it's all right, fine. Somewhere in the middle of the ice, you give a little grab, fine. Don't call that. But when he's going in on a scoring chance, you know what? You've got to, you've got to call that one. Like, you tripped him as he was about to take a shot on it, as he's about to drive the net. Those ones are so obvious. I, I don't understand how he can miss those ones.
2: Okay, we got to call a quick timeout here. The Oilers do get the win 5-3, but we're having some interesting discussion with you tonight on the Certainty Hotline, 780-496-0063. This is Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line. Here's a pass to Hyman into the Bruin, and he'll
1: look to the net off the post! He just ripped it off the post on the stick side of Allmark. Puck on the right wing. Hyman goes to the right corner. We'll walk in front. Scores! Zach! And this game is tied at
2: two. Well, Zach Hyman hits the post, gets the puck back, and scores. That tied at two-two. Five and a half minutes into the second period, the Oilers win five-three. They are ten and two on the season. in twenty-six saves. He's eight and one. Leon Drysaitel is up to twenty-six points in twelve games. He had two goals and an assist tonight. He got the tire and the winner in the third. Cody Cece got the insurance. Evan Bouchard scored a first period goal for Edmonton. Okay, we have. Troy standing by. Hi, Troy. Thanks for calling.
14: Hey, how's it going, boy? Good. Good. Um, I just want to talk about the refereeing, and I think that maybe um, it needs a whole overhaul, starting from even the minor league levels. They need to start calling things as they are, and maybe eventually the league will evolve. Because um, remember back in '96, when they did all that stuff and they called in all these new penalties, late. everybody evolves. So they need to do that. They need to follow the books, and that's what I got to
2: yeah. say. Well, I think you make a good point. I mean, sometimes things do start at a grassroots level, and we talked about this a few days ago, Rob, that I mean, at the NHL, it is highly entertaining. And there is less clutching and grabbing than there used to be. There's less, even though a lot of people still like fighting, there's less thuggery, shall we call it. And a lot of that is the result of that if you, I mean, we're getting players coming into the NHL that were born in, 2000, 2001, you know, that started playing minor hockey in 0- 05 06, like, you, you can't, they're not taught to hold, and there's no expectation well, to, that, well, you gotta, you know, you're, you're 11, you're old enough to fight now, like, you know. Well,
3: and and everyone's talking that they've got to, they, they have to have camps for refs, there's got to be competition, There all there's, there's that stuff already, they, they have camps, they have training camps for referees, they go to the minors, they rate them in the minors, uh, there's uh players refs are promoted and demoted all those things happen and because they happen it, this is why we have the best refs possible in the national hockey league and it's not even close go watch a european hockey game uh and, and see what the referees like over there the, the north american the nhl has the best referees there are they will have some off nights uh, and tonight was a, a, an off night. This one wasn't as good. There's refs in the league that are better and worse, and the players know who they are. When you, every, when, you when you used to get the, the game sheet before the game, the first thing you looked at to see who the refs were, and you were either excited or you were upset because uh, some were like, okay, all right, this is going to be a clean game. Well, this guy calls nothing, and you're like, oh. And there'd be guys, okay, this guy's a fairy. This is a guy you can talk to. This is a guy you can't talk to. This is a guy that you can give a little grief to if you don't like the call. There's other guys, okay, do not say a word to this guy guy tonight because if you say a word then he's going to be even worse to you (laughs) all these things are talked about um to me the refereeing this year has been good for the most part but there are going to be just like there's nights where your goaltender's bad just like nights where your power plays off just like nights where your penalty killing doesn't get it done. done there's going to be nights where the refs aren't as good tonight was one of those nights to me there isn't a crisis in the national hockey league with refing. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't, don't think we're even close to that. But there are nights where you think, okay, you've got to make those calls. And tonight was one of those nights.
2: Okay, we have Andrew on the Certainty hotline. Hey, Andrew, go ahead, my man. Hey, guys, thanks for
15: taking my call. Yeah. Um, basically, I just want to say was uh, at the end of the day, the NHL goal is to make money. And the, the way that happens is if there' super superstars can shine. And if the refs are letting uh, defensemen hold and grab and clutch everybody, then they can't shine. And that way, their sport isn't going to grow like the NBA has, where they've let their their stars shine. So basically, yeah, that's what I want to say. At the end of the day, if the NHL wants to grow their sport, they're going to have to... Uh Call, make sure
3: these refs call everything on these superstars or else they're not going to shine. Okay, now let's go devil advocate right now. Leon settles on pace for 160 <laughs> points. Connor McDavid's on pace for 150 points. These are unprecedented numbers in the last 25 years. So that right now we're complaining about the refs not doing a good enough do- job for the superstars to shine for the Edmonton Oilers, and they are having career years. Jesse Pugliarvi's on pace for over 100 points. So is he really? Yeah, well, I don't know. Things. I'm guessing something like that. He's over a point a game. Well, so Hyman's
2: on pace for over 40 goals.
3: So yeah. So as much as the, the people are calling in and complaining about the referees, they're not doing enough good enough job for the other superstars. I mean, Leon is he's leading the National Hockey League in goals and in points. He's on what's he got? He's got averaging. I think he's on pace for 82 goals or so over 82 goals. He's on pace for 160 yeah, 12 points. 12, yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I, I think the Oilers stars are still doing okay, despite what some nights and, and, when the referees and that, aren't. And
2: that would be probably what some people would argue, that hockey is, is supposed to be difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. So,
10: again, I I think
2: well, the we'll rest... We'll, we'll let Andrew offer right. a rebuttal before we go to the Thanks news. Guys. Andrew, you're still up here if you want to say something. No, nope,
10: that's so all good. Thanks, guys.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah, we're getting good. I mean, look, we're and I'll say this again, part of me hesitates to do this topic, but if we're going to dive into it tonight, because I I agree with you, Rob, they are the best, they are the best referees in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But having said that, just like the players... Well, anybody in the world can be criticized for anything so no, it's not absolutely. just it's not just sports but but if uh, you know if if you're if you're the best in the world then and, and you don't appear to be meeting that standard some nights then then I think it's fair to uh to talk about it. i mean i don't I don't think they're out to get the Oilers I don't think they're out to get McDavid. I don't think nope. they're out to get any uh team in the league but uh yeah, we still got some people who want to chime in on this, which is cool, so we'll keep riding here we got to do the nine o'clock news and weather. We got Thursday night football on. It's 9-3 Dolphins over the Ravens with 11 and a half minutes left. An offensive lineman made a spectacular play for a touchdown, but he wasn't an eligible receiver, so it didn't count. That's the best play we've seen so far, a play that didn't count. Uh, Oilers win 5-3. This is Heartland Ford overtime open line.
1: And puck brought in by Bouchard. Yamamoto on the right wing. He'll put it cross-corner. Dreisaitl to the point for Nurse. Now over to Bouchard. We'll shoot it off a leg. It goes wide. Dreisaitl to Nugent Hopkins, to Dreisaitl, to Bouchard. Scott! Evan Bouchard walks in, and he goes high to the glove side, and this game is tied at one.
2: And the Oilers would eventually go on to win 5-3 over the Boston Bruins. They are 10-2 and on the season. The Bruins are 6-5. and This is their first loss on home ice this season. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. Thanks for sticking with us tonight. We have Fred at 780-496-0063. Hi, Fred. Hey, boys. Oh, it's Fred Fred. Go ahead, man.
10: Yeah, it is Fred Fred. Anyway, I'd be much more upset years gone by, but when you're 10-2, and two, the refereeing doesn't really bother me all that much. The only solution I can see is bring back Andy Van Hellman, Bill Friday, or Dan <laughs> that rally.
3: There we go. There were some good refs back in the day. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And there
10: were characters, too, but uh, I think the game is a little too fast nowadays for referees to keep their eyes on everything. Like, these guys are moving much quicker than what they did 20, 30 years ago, and... I think that's the big issue here right now.
3: You're absolutely right. One thing about when those guys were refing too, there was only one ref. With no video
10: replay. Exactly.
3: Anything. So that was hard to tell say that guy was wrong, though, because you only saw with a split second, and there was no replay to show that he was wrong. Uh, no. It was easier to get away with stuff back then. So you just wait for the ref to turn his head, then you do whatever you want. Now it's between video replay and two refs and two linesmen. It's harder. Uh, the, the problem with... Going, talking all about the referees tonight. You're missing on the fact that this was a really good game by the it was Oilers. Game. A very good game. They came back against a good Boston team. Their stars shown. Their fourth line scored. Their goaltender made saves in the third period. Uh, their penalty killing was excellent. Again, uh, that's the thing that's being overlooked as we talk about the referees because they're. This was a a, a a statement win for the Oilers after a poor effort against the Detroit Red Wings.
2: Okay, we'll keep rolling with Sam on the Certainty Hotline. Hello, Sam. Hey, Sam, go ahead. Hi, Sam.
15: Hey, guys. How's it
2: going? Good. What's on your mind?
15: Hey, well, you opened the floodgates tonight, man, the referee. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, uh, listen, I got the perfect solution for you guys. Okay. You could put uh, Rob in charge of officiating for the NHL. <laughs> no, I I'm, I'm not joking, man. Seriously. He's been bang on on every single thing he said tonight.
3: Okay, I got to go home and tell my wife that someone said I was right every time I said something. <laughs> She's not going to believe me.
15: No, I mean, uh, seriously. Rob, you you grew up in the NHL in the 80s and 90s in the heyday of scoring, right? Yes, I did. Right and you remember the Euler rule
3: well is that when they
15: stopped doing the three on three and that yeah exactly it was the four on four rule that's where coincidental winners came yeah. In. yeah right it was the oil oiler rule
3: oh it was awesome you used to they used to go down four on four then they go down to three on three it was awesome to watch and the Oilers had the huge great. advantage because they had all the skill
15: exactly and they did it to slow down the Oilers' scoring because every every other gm and actually it was the owners was complaining about it. No, I, I absolutely, and I remember that. It was horrible. Officiating has gone that way since then. That's why you saw in, in the 2000s the trend towards defensive hockey where games were like 2-1 or 1-0. Yep. So the officiating is exactly the way the NHL brass wants it to be.
3: Well, it always is, and now they're going, trying to go the op- opposite direction, but you're right. The, the referees call what the owners want them to call. And now they're trying to get back with the taking away the clutching and grabbing and stuff like that. But they, they've made some dumb rules over the, a number of years. The the offside replay, which, I mean, before they did that, where they all of a sudden we're getting offsides where it's a half a millimeter off and we're taking goals off the board. People don't come to see a goal get overturned. People come to see goals get scored. So they made some bonehead Moves in the National Hockey League and now they're trying to get back to scoring more goals and to do that They're taking away things that never should have been Changed they, the, the, the the league should be opened up the skilled players should be able to shine They're trying to do it more and more now, but you're right They did get away from that and they tried to make the games slower and closer and because of that They made them less entertaining.
2: All right. We have Brian calling I, Brian. Are you calling from the United States? Uh, yeah, New York City. How you doing? Guys? Oh, goodness. Well, that's cool. What what makes you listen to 630 Chet? Oh, I've been out to Edmonton,
14: uh, I think, four times. I took my son out to Rexall the last year, uh, the second-to-last game against the Kings that helped out Calgary make the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, I love the Oilers since 97 uh, with Marshawn. I mean, they could come back against Dallas, you know, and uh, – yep. Been following since, watch every game here at my son, my wife usually too, you know. And, uh, Fred took some of my phone there. I got a few quick points if I could, you know. Um, you know, I agree with like the, uh, the penalties and, um, again, yeah, not being called, but like McDavid, he, he's so fast and like, you know, he'll fall down on his own sometimes. And it's like, uh, you know, I don't think it's. Uh, sometimes it is tough to call. He's just too quick because he's just moving and going down on his own. And uh, you know, I agree that some calls not being called, but it's just he's just too fast. You know. No, you're right. I, I think sometimes I think I think sometimes he's going so fast you can't tell. Like the guy stick touched him, but was it a penalty or did he he's going down on his own? Sometimes you know. It's, and I love him, but you know, it's it's tough to tell. You know.
3: No, you're absolutely right. It is a quick game, and we get the advantage of watching replays. We get the advantage of watching it on TV. When you're live on the ice as a referee, the game is way, way, way quicker than if if you're watching it on television.
2: Yeah. Anything else, Brian?
14: Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see Stuart Skinner really get a shot. Like, I, yeah. I think this is a good time. You know, they got they got at some points, you know, they can play with some games. And uh, I'd like to see him play, like, uh, three out of the next four or five, you know, or maybe five out of the next seven. Like, well, let's see what we got with this guy, you know. Like, you know, let's find out now, you know. I mean, uh, you know, like, Sir Starkin came up with the Rangers a couple of years ago. He won nine in a row. I mean, let's find out what we
2: have with this guy, like, you know, like, well, what I think we, you know. I th- well, I think he's going to play tomorrow, so we'll we'll see. Which will be two and three for two him. and two and three, and then maybe I don't know if he'll play. You know, seven out of ten or something like that. But I think he'll get some some time. Brian, I, I ran the New York City uh, Marathon in 2013, so maybe I ran by your house or your apartment. <laughs> you
14: you you were close. Uh, last quick point, guys. Sorry, I appreciate it. Last quick point. We, my son and I were adding up the uh, third and fourth lines going into tonight. They were minus 16. Uh, the players tonight on the third and fourth, and I think that's the big thing that you know maybe trading deadline, but that, that's the main weakness I see with this team. That the third and fourth lines are. are you know, they need something. At least, at least, you need at least a solid third line, and I, I don't think we have that now.
3: Well, I think they tried to okay. address that in the summer. They got Fogle. They were hoping Ryan uh, would be able to solidify that, and I don't think Ryan has played as well as of late as he did early in the season. Fogle was a good addition. They're missing Cassie, and they're missing Shore. I think they feel they've got a, a third line, and they their fourth line is still a work in progress. I do believe that the Oilers will be right near the top of the conference come trade deadline. And I believe that Ken Holland will go out and find some rental players, whether it be a couple of defensemen, uh, a third- or fourth-line depth player. But he will make this team better in the areas they need to get better come playoff time. I think you're absolutely right.
2: All right. Appreciate it, Brian. 780 63 Oilers win 5-3. We have Phil standing by as well. Hey, Phil.
16: Hey guys, uh great game tonight. Um I, I was saying uh the person who answers the phone I I've I've refed rugby, I've refed soccer, and I've reffed hockey. Awesome. And I And I got to say, I think the refs need help, like not like like not in any way, shape or form to be negative on the refs. I think like the technology we have nowadays, the eye in the sky, the all the, the the thousand cameras, all the feeds, they need to find a way to help the refs with all this technology, give them some way on the ice to see the things that are, to be perfectly honest. Running around with a pile of guys on the rugby field, that was the closest comparison I had to hockey because, frankly, in hockey, I wasn't a fast enough skater to keep up with the the good guys. Um, It is amazingly hard to be there. The players, the the, the fans and the coach refs seem to disregard how hard it is to be there on that line to see things, to be where your eyes are in the right line, to see what the ref needs to see to be able to make the calls.
3: You're absolutely right. Absolutely
16: right. It's way harder at ice level. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we I mean, that's a, that's a great help point. Help them, I think. Did, isn't that something we could maybe do? Like, they got all this money going in the NHL. They got chips in the pucks, they got chips on the players. I heard they have chips in their sticks now. They need to find a way to help the refs with this kind of stuff. That was the point I wanted to make. Uh, and it was a great game, and I'm loving the, the seasons right now, and I'm a huge fan, guys. I love your show. You're,
3: Thanks. Sam. You're right, actually. It's true. You'd think the NHL wants to be innovative. Is there something they can do that could give the referees a, an advantage with all of the camera work and everything that's out there? That's a, that's a good idea. There's an invention. Anyone out there listening, come up with an invention. You become really, 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 really rich. And then since Reed and I told you to do it, you give us a little bit of a kickback.
2: <laughs> he also made me hungry for chips. <laughs> Maybe it's a different kind of chips. <laughs> Actually, now I'm hungry. Okay, we got a couple more callers here. Uh, Randy is on the line. Hey, Randy, go ahead. Hey, uh,
15: thanks for taking the call. Um, yeah, just a couple of points. One, you guys already... It already touched on with Fred there, it was to do with the two refs. I mean, I've been watching hockey since like 1969, and I mean, obviously things have gotten faster. But I thought, you know, they were always—they tried to sell to us that yeah, two refs was going to solve everything.
10: Well, it obviously hasn't, right? Well, it—it's it, it, better. It's, yeah. it's probably better. It's way better than if it was one ref.
15: Just think. Yeah. Well, but, I remember, but Van Helleman was good. He was he was the best, for sure.
3: Well, I mean, I don't say I, I don't I haven't played in a long time now, but one of the great things was the camaraderie between players and refs. And not all of them, but the, there was refs that you could talk to, you could joke with, you could give a, a silent high five to. Um, that I, I miss that. You don't see that as much anymore as you used to. And and there were, as Reed said earlier, there were refs that were characters, that had personalities, and that to me was fun. There, I mean, as you you just well, Bemmen
2: got mad at them when they went on strike that year, and that's why it's numbers on the back now. It's like
3: no no names, you're just all numbers. Because as this gentleman here and a couple others have come on and they've talked about, they've named the referees because you remembered referees' names from back then. You know the Swede Knoxes. I mean, guys like that, you always remember because they were more than just a number. They are more than a guy in stripes. They had a name, they had a personality, and that was fun, and they promoted it. So I, I think that's missed too because now it's easier to get, get all over them because you don't know them other than number 62 just made a bad call. Right. So I think, yeah, I, to me, put the names back on there and let us let's let their pe- personality come through like they did before, and then maybe you'll see them in a different light.
2: All right, well, this is going to be interesting. We haven't heard from them for a while. Scott from Boston is on the line. Scott, first of all, Patriots, hopeless. <laughs> what, what's going on? He's not even there. He's, he's snoring. He actually fell asleep. Fell hang as- on, hang on. It is late though. Hang on. We actually had to fall asleep on hold. This is unbelievable. <laughs> okay, Angie, well, that's the call. Apparently, that's we, amazing. We, bored we put him. somebody to sleep.
3: Oh well, no, we've all we do that most nights. But at least <laughs> they don't call us in when they're asleep, at least do it in your own privacy. Huh? That's incredible. There's a confidence builder if right
2: people, there. People remember from a couple of years ago, he used to call a, a lot, and he started asking you trivia questions. Yeah, and uh, he called in tonight, and apparently, that is. That, uh, the, I, I want to assure people. Because people know I do goofy stuff more usually on inside sports. That was not a setup. That was not a sound effect. That is legitimately Scott for Boston. Apparently, his story we put, we put yet, story yet another to fan to
3: sleep, you and I, Reid.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the game was not a snoozer. It was pretty entertaining. The Oilers take it 5-3. Let's hear from a guy who played well again tonight. He got his eighth goal of the season. It's Zach Hyman
4: strong team to be down one goal going into the third period. What did you see in that third
17: period that really helped uh, help the cause there? Yeah, obviously Boston's a really good team, um, but I think we just kept pushing. We're pretty confident in our ability to score goals and come back. And uh, we have strong self-belief in the team, and we just kept pushing, and kept getting pucks to the net, and um, Leon, you know, got a couple of seats, made a couple of great plays, obviously, uh, and uh, got the win. Um, you guys seem to respond pretty quickly to at least their first two goals. How did you do that, and how important was that to kind of get you guys going back on the right? Yeah, you definitely want to get back on the board and swing momentum back in your favor as soon as you can. And again, it's just one of those games where you just keep pressing and Buck um, went in, in I guess a timely manner. So it's good. Uh, There are a few non-calls going against your or not going against your captain or for
4: your captain, I should say. Uh, The bench seemed to be pretty riled up. How do you guys respond after something like
17: that? And how important is it to kind of keep pushing when that doesn't go your way? Yeah, nothing you can do. Just, I mean, keep going. Go on your next shift and keep doing it. And eventually they'll get called.
4: What did you think of your, your goaltender tonight? Who uh, he didn't seem to like his the third goal, but he
17: the third period. Really yeah, fell. I mean he responded um, extremely well. Obviously in the third period, I thought Boston pushed, um, and he made some great saves. One in particular, obviously, and um, just played great and shut it down.
5: Just want to kind of dive in on two players that you talked about. First, Leon Drysaddle, his ability to come through in big moments and big games and score big goals for your club. When you have a guy like that leading the charge, along with ninety-seven, of course, and yourself.
17: What does that do for the club? I mean, I just think it instills confidence that you can come back in any situation when you have guys like, uh, like Connor and Leon who can step up in big moments and, and make big plays, and uh, Leo is, is obviously uh, a really unique player. He can score in all different ways. He's an elite goal scorer, but also an elite play- playmaker, so not many guys can do both, and, uh, yeah, I mean, quite great. Can help this big one. Sorry, sorry to cut no, ears. you're good. Yeah. Um,
5: the other thing I want to talk about is Cody Cece. You played mm-hmm. with him a little bit in Toronto. He comes in this year. Maybe not the sexiest game, but he, like Leon says, he gets it, gets his job done. And tonight he gets mm-hmm. rewarded with a goal and a assist. Made a big play on that game he goal. Scores the insurance marker. How excited are you guys for a guy like that to get rewarded with some points?
17: Awesome. I mean, he's just solid every game. You you know what to expect from him. Just. A great guy and just a solid player. Um, he, made, I mean, he obviously made a, an unbelievable play on Leon's goal to, to put us up 4-3 and then uh, got rewarded himself. So great to see him.
5: Away from the ice, how would you characterize Cody Ceci?
17: Same as he's on the ice. Just solid. Just a solid guy. Um, reserved, but, uh, but just once you get to know him, really, really, you know, really, really good guy and fun guy to be around.
4: Zach, no one seemed to be really happy about the Detroit game. How would you kind of rate? The way you guys were able to respond tonight. How, how would you like your effort? I guess is the
17: question. Yeah, uh, I mean I think that we we played one period in Detroit. We played a, the third period and uh, we played well in that period, but it's not enough to to win a game. So when we don't we like winning. We don't like losing and. and uh, it's important to, to respond and to come back, and I thought the group did a really good job in responding. And again, this is a good Boston team. I'm really familiar with those guys; have played against them a ton, and um, they're they're a good team. So it was a good test for us, and it was a huge one. Okay, we'll take
1: one question from you, Jason. Zach, you mentioned about the comeback twice. Your goals and less than a minute after they score, when you're looking at how
5: this game was those two goals really might, might be the big difference
17: just because it kept you close early in the game twice. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think you never want to be down in a game. You always want to be pushing, and you always want momentum to, to be on your side. And and I think, um, you know, for us, you, just, you don't know when you're going to score. You just got to keep pushing and keep your foot on the gas, and uh, obviously those goals are really timely for us.
1: And a good teams get contributions from everyone late in the game. You got young Ryan McLeod called up, but him and Cedar haven't played a the time yet. There they are in the, ice in the final five minutes. And to sure be on that goal, Could you just, we talked about Cody Cece, but just get importance some guys like that, that you not going to just builds confidence throughout the lineup.
17: Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's unbelievable. I think that we've had a lot of team success, and or in, in order to have team success, you have to have everybody contributing. And I think that all the guys. Um, you know, new guys included have been contributing and finding a role. And I think that uh, that's how you build a, a great team is, is when everybody's feeling good about their role. Everybody knows what their role is and everybody's excelling in their role. And I thought that uh, Steve's played great and I thought that Clouder played great. And, and obviously, um, Cease, we talked about him earlier, but, you know, played great also. So you need you need good players all throughout your lineup to, to win games and, and uh, especially tonight.
2: Zach Hyman, as the Oilers are now 10-2, 12 games into the season. They fell behind one nothing. Bouchard tied it up 44 seconds later. In the second period, they fell behind 2-1. Hyman tied it up 24 seconds later. Carlos scored late in the second period, but then Dreisaitl got 2 in the third, just over three minutes apart. And then Cody Ceci got a late one. Koskinen, who... Didn't like the third goal against for him tonight, but he makes 26 saves overall to go to 8-1 and one on the season. Oilers beat Boston 5-3. Right back at it tomorrow. 3.30 face-off show, game at 5. Oilers at Buffalo. Get more on this one, more on the Oilers overall on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca and of course Bob Stauffer has Oilers now from noon to two tomorrow. Thanks to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer this evening. Rob Brown and I have been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center and you've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers take it 5-3. Have a great night.
0: 630Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins.
2: Weekdays at 6 on 630Ched.